Welcome to the Optional Boss Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Josh, and this is my other host, Tyler. I am the other host, Tyler. And today we are going to be looking into turn-based combat and random encounters. Why they are good and why they are bad. I mean, it's it's mostly an open discussion, but it could get a little heated. I don't know. It's been a pretty aggressive day. <laughs> that's, that's fair. So we do have two polarizing perspectives on this but at the same time we both see pros and cons in it so but before we get into the actual discussion uh what have you been up to what have you been playing uh i've been playing uh grass cutting simulator but the actual kind um oh the irl yeah it's it's wild actually it takes a little bit to get into but uh i cut my grass uh but more so uh ninja turtles (laughs) um the TMNT Cowabunga Collection, which I just gotta say, like, I could rant on about how it's a pretty awesome package in total, but really the point I want to drive home is Cap, or not Capcom, they're, they're alright, Konami, do more things please. Yeah, we're still waiting on a Castlevania Advanced Collection physical, Yeah, and I've been, re- I've been really tempted to just get the, the digital version, but, because I really want to play those games again, but. I, I just want them to finally go, you know what, Nintendo, you can finally have Symphony of the Night. You've been good. Yes, that would also be well-received, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, and, I mean, I guess I should touch on what I've been playing on the collection. Uh, mostly, oddly enough, the fighting games, because for some reason, I've just been very interested. Is it more of a video game medium than just a straight-up button masher? But I also tried out... Ah, oh, what was it called? It's the third Game Boy entry that's more like a mentor... Radical Rescue, that's what it's called. And, uh, you know, it's nothing nothing like mind-blowing, but for a Game Boy title, pretty impressive. Highly recommend for what I've tried. How about yourself? What have you been playing? Well, you've always been a Game Boy fan, right? Like, you, you love the original Game Boy and all the way up. Well, as so I that, looked... That, I... that definitely means much more to you, right? To an extent, but I still think, like, the Game Boy is, like... Just kind of untapped market for a lot of people. Like, for most people who owned a Game Boy, it was just like, I had Tetris, Pokemon, and X game. As where, if I look to my left to this small library of it, there's just a lot that people need to just check out. Well, the mention of Pokemon would be an excellent segue, but you asked me a question, so I'm going to get into that. Uh, doing a little bit of Mother 1 and, out of all things, Dr. Mario. Ah, so basically what you're saying is uh, you're partaking in a little bit of masochism. A little bit, yes. <laughs> I haven't gone on high speed because I don't hit myself that much, but You'll maybe get there. maybe one day we'll get there. <laughs> I just think Dr. Mario is just like, oh, it's just Tetris, but I don't like it even more. But we'll get on my gripes <laughs> with Tetris another day. Yes. Uh, today we are going on about the turn-based debate and random encounters. And... Yeah, like I said, we both have very different perspectives on it, and as someone myself who isn't too keen on the turn-based combat, I have to say that like some of my favorite games, uh, looking at the Mother series, uh, Amori recently, uh, Persona 5, all turn-based combat, and I've actually loved them to death. And how does that make you feel? I don't know. I'm very confused. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get into the very, uh, you know, sending mixed messages up, I don't really like turn-based, and yet my favorite games are turn-based. We're going to reel it right back. Um, what would you say was, like, your first proper introduction to turn-based mechanics and systems? And when I say proper, I'm just going to go into a little bit of backstory for myself. So probably the first time I stumbled across a turn-based RPG I could admittedly say that I hated it and I didn't understand it. But the reason for that was because I had rented Super Mario RPG for the Super Nintendo, which at this point (laughs) in my life, incredible game. I love it. 
But I had no idea what an RPG was or just anything about it. I thought I was just getting another Mario game, so I didn't understand. Like, I jumped on him. Why didn't he die? Now I'm going into this process. So it was very confusing. But my first proper introduction to a turn-based uh, RPG system would have been through. And it's amazing I like them as much as I do due to it. But uh, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. And... For that time in my life and being the proper introduction to turn-based RPGs, probably the best thing for me. So that would be like the first time I kind of sat down, understood what it was, and then kind of like grew along with it. That's that's fair enough. Um, I, I, I could definitely see what you mean about Super Mario RPG as that was actually my first RPG and uh, we'll, we'll get there in a second. But uh, as for Mystic Quest, it's... I mean, I, I don't suspect anybody doesn't know nowadays that it was kind of like the Western version of just make it simple because they don't get it. And also European, I guess. Out, out, anywhere outside of Japan. Those poor Europeans. <laughs> but yeah, they, they didn't actually get uh, games like Earthbound until just recently when it got released on the Wii U, I believe. There was, oh, this is actually just on a very random point about things that they didn't get. I was watching something about uh, the Mega Man Star Force franchise, so the uh, series after Battle Network, and they didn't get the final game in the series, so they just don't know how it ended. Oh, no. So, but that's going off on a bit of a tangent. Uh, yeah, so for me, with Super Mario RPG, I felt betrayed. Uh, I, I, I get that. But I think another part of it, too, because did you own Super Mario RPG? I did. See, I think that would probably be a big difference in the perception as well, because for me, this was just like a three-day rental. And if I feel like I can't figure it out on day one, and I mean, granted, we're going back to when I was like maybe five, six years old at the oh, oldest. Oh, very young, right? It's, it's going to kind of sour the experience. Oh, 100%. Although on the on the opposite end, like Super Mario RPG was my first RPG, and I feel like because of that game, I never got into RPGs because of the interactiveness within it. So, so I just e even today, like uh, something subconsciously, just whenever I play a turn-based RPG, I instinctively try to do those timed attacks, even though I know for a fact a game like Final Fantasy VII does not have them. So when you play Pokemon and you're trying to catch a Pokemon, do you rhythmically press A to uh, try to catch it better or do some kind of weird subconscious trick? Yes. Ha. Uh, I, I have I have certainly caught myself doing that. It, it's the, the equivalency that I could almost say is, you know when you go bowling and they, sh they throw the ball down the lane and then they're like waving it like they're controlling it? That's me with RPGs. It's amazing how little it doesn't work, and yet at the same time, it just makes you feel like you're more in control of the situation. Exactly. It, it makes me feel better. Okay. so <laughs> it's, it's stupid, but it makes me feel better. Clearly, a big sticking point with you when it comes to interact or like turn-based RPGs is interactivity does play a big part into how much you can actually enjoy it or not enjoy it. Um, 100%. And there was actually another part of your question that I didn't answer. My first proper RPG, if we aren't counting Super Mario RPG, would be Final Fantasy 1 for the NES. I don't know if that would be a good starting point or not. Like, there's a lot of reasons why you could argue that it is, especially being the first Final Fantasy, but... That's a lot to throw yourself into. Because I kind of feel like, granted, when that game came out, I don't even know if I existed yet, to be honest. I'm not sure if it's pre-90 or not. But um, it has a very uh, a much more mature kind of sense of rules as compared to your just kind of plug in the game and hop, right? Like, it was kind of made for a tabletop RPG crowd. So that's actually kind of surprising. Now, I'm going to guess you... Uh, are going to follow up with, I didn't really like it. Um, as a stupid little kid, I enjoyed it just because things were flashing on the screen. Sometimes that's all you need, really. That's that's exactly what I needed. And the, this was the time, like growing up, we had the Super Nintendo and we had the NES. 
And even though that we had the Super Nintendo, we still had the NES plugged in and still swapping back and forth, like me and my brother would be sharing and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's it's when one of us was on the NES, the other one was on the SNES. And vice versa. Okay. So, when would you say that you kind of got the idea that you weren't much of a turn-based RPG kind of person? So, here's the thing. Like, growing up, I enjoyed them more so than what I do nowadays. Nowadays, I just feel like I need a lot of that, that actual interactiveness. And honestly, like, a weird story. Like, not, not just a good story, but, like, has some weirdness. Uh, an, an example that I won't get too much into is Amori has a very dark undertone and a lot of, like, cryptic things. But it's done kind of in a modern age, and that's that maybe because the modern age feeling is... Like, without the, the swords, maces, magic, and whatnot, maybe that's why I like Earthbound so much more, opposed to, like, your standard old-style RPGs. Stay tuned for the three-hour discussion on Amori when I can actually have some input. Um, <laughs> I can definitely see where it... A lot of... I feel like it it might even be, like, a subconscious perception, but, like, when you think turn-based RPGs, your mind kind of goes to, like, traditional fantasy, right? So it kind of helps to have things that have a little bit of an added quirkiness, like the pseudo-realistic environments of, like you said, Earthbound or Amori or something like that. Um, because or maybe it's just aliens. Aliens help. Or, with the Mother series, there's lots of aliens. Um, now, because for myself, because I'm obviously much more on the pro side of it, I like seeing numbers get bigger, and I like seeing my progress happen in increments um but there are some games that and oddly enough for you being so highly praising of the mother series it's really one that i'm not a fan of mother 3 i did really enjoy we'll get into that at another point but it falls under the same category that i have a problem with where i can see how how it's not as visually stimulating with just your standard take a turn turn-based RPGs without like the active button presses or something like that. Um, but even some things can be a little bit too dry for my liking, like Earthbound, Dragon Quest, Lufia, the whole static image and then just kind of a readout of what occurs. I don't find all that compelling, but on the flip side of that, Another form of turn-based combat that is literally just static images and text would be Stone Soup, which is just a standard dungeon crawler where I literally press up on the direction and it reads out like six things that just occurred. So, And at the same time, you do get a little bit of animation with that. Like, not not a whole lot, but you, you do get something a little bit more. Like, the, you're not flipping to a new screen. You're not having any of those, like battle scenarios where it takes you out of the the map that you're in to this secluded arena style background um just thinking like final fantasy 7 for example takes you to like a secluded arena that you've seen a couple times by now i'm walking just down for a, a different path. Enemy. suddenly we're in pine trees yeah <laughs> hopefully yeah. not that bad but that that kind of thing and Another thing on it, uh, just since we're on the topic of visuals and all that kind of stuff, like Mother 1, which I finally just, or Earthbound Beginnings, whatever you want to call it, it's very similar to like the old Dragon Warrior, Dragon Quest, whatever you want to call it, uh, type of screen where things are read out, you got the sprite of the enemy, and then you don't see your characters and you just flip through menus. That is not ideal for me. And maybe it's just the pretty colors in Earthbound that I really enjoy. Maybe it's the rolling HP counter. But on the other side of that, like when we're looking at... not so, I'm, I'm not going to criticize the 2D games by far, but more the 3D era where animations are prevalent and all this kind of stuff. A lot of the animations, like you attack someone and it's usually just the same one or two animations for it. It's not that gripping. Or same with magic spells, like they're always done the exact same way. And I just find it gets super repetitive in its visualization. You want things to be done faster. You want results now. So I, I, do, I definitely do want things to be faster and quicker paced. 
um, especially if they're going to be taking you off to another arena and whatnot. Like, I I quite enjoy the Final Fantasy series. Like, I don't think there's really any Final Fantasy game that I haven't enjoyed to at least some degree that I've actually played anyways. But the whole going into a separate screen to do the battle, the victory dance, which you see hundreds of times during a playthrough, and then here's what you got from it, here's your XP and whatnot, yes, important, sure, and then fade out, then fade back into where you were. Say you're on an, on the overworld or something. It's just, there's a lot of time taken up there, and it just, I find myself nowadays just looking at my phone or getting easily distracted because it's it's stuff i've seen hundreds of times now this is one thing that i can even attest to as an adult if i'm uh sitting down with like like you say like a more slower paced turn-based rpg where there is a lot of actions that need to play out and whatnot it is great for multitasking i have played separate games on the game boy advance while playing something else on my tv um now Um, that that doesn't surprise me (laughs) But having said that, um, it makes a little bit more sense. I mean, this kind of goes beyond the whole state of preferences, but you can kind of see where they were at in the early PlayStation era where, like, we've figured out how to do this. We want to show it off. But it is very unfortunate, and even I can agree with this, that there was never the kind of foresight to think, okay, we like our flashy battle animations, but maybe if we could, like, either speed them up or there's a lot of games as well uh i want to say even pokemon started picking up this trend around like gen 3 gen 4 where you do have the option to just turn off battle animations and just get the actual results of your attacks and all that stuff which kind of sucks a bit of the fun out of it but like you said once you've seen these animations x amount of times you just kind of want to get on with it and i think if they added more variety to the hit animations like when, when you choose to attack and say you have a sword, you just run up, slash, not necessarily even hit visually represent uh, the, the enemy visually, you just slash by them and that's your hit, right? It's I feel like we are in more of an age where you should be able to see the actual enemy hit react properly to said hit and have more than one animation, not just like over the head swing down. You should have some side to side or a couple hits, like a swing swing. Does does that make sense? I can I can kind of see what you're getting at. And like just just vary it up. It's it's one of those things that um, like when you're looking at something like your SNES era RPGs and even the PlayStation, it was just a matter of this is all we had, right? As we're yeah nowadays, it would be nice to get just a little bit more flair, but also kind of um, live a live the recent remake of it. Uh, I found did a pretty good job of having some pretty visually stimulating combat while also not feeling like it took forever to implement. Oh, 100%. Like, yeah. I, I really, I fully played through it. I did the the best endings, or the multiple endings, whatever you want to call it. And I absolutely enjoyed it. I think there was one, one story in there that I could take or leave, but it, overall it was actually really enjoyable and the the battles weren't overdrawn or anything they're nice and quick from what i i recall like you're in and out of them pretty damn quick they were snappy and responsive and the ones that did kind of not even so much overstay their welcome but take a little longer were just more challenging battles which is always welcome which kind of brings me on to my next like point is uh do you find that like one of the big issues with turn-based battles is that like they just become stale and a little bit too easy or repetitive. And then, like, by the time that you do run into, not even so much a wall, but something that requires a bit more engagement, you're just kind of kind of zombified at that point. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty fair uh, to say. Like, e- even with Earthbound, in the later areas, I find that, like, I'm kind of over the fights, right? I mean, that's it's... If, if you toss so many enemies of the same stature, same level, because you're just in that zone. And this actually ties into random encounters as well when you're trying to backtrack to different areas. Um, You're just so done with seeing this group of enemies constantly. You know exactly how to do them. You might even be able to kill them in one shot. Even if there's three and you got a party of four or three, one shot, one shot, one shot, battle done. You're still sitting through that animation of going into the battle 
going around the screen for for majority of the R, uh, JRPGs anyways the the turn-based games and then the victory screen what you got then fading out then back into where you were just to walk a few more steps and possibly get into another fight um which yeah kind of ties into the random encounters thing which uh, I'm, I'm gonna touch on a little bit there if, they, if that's good um i think yeah. like earth, right. earth w- one thing i really enjoyed about earthbound is when you are backtracking to different areas and it it removes the bit of monotony behind the battles is when it knows you're over leveled for an area you instantly win those fights that I have always found to be just a genuinely satisfying thing, just from a progression standpoint. It's like, it's kind of like in Super Mario RPG, the same feeling that you get when you get a power star and you can just plow through stuff and you'll still get the experience, but you didn't actually have to go through the work to do so. Um, so the fact that that's just kind of a thing in the Mother series, I don't know about Mother 1. No, um, it's not in there. <laughs> at, not terribly surprising. I mean, it is kind of the first of its kind, but I digress. Um, that does feel really good, and uh, but it's How also not more games implemented that. I don't have an answer to that question. <laughs> like seriously, like if I I know I'm not the only one with these issues, right? And Earthbound, and I think I, I want to say Mother Three did it too, or at least you can knock enemies out of the way when you're running. But if you're overleveled in an area, just let me explore. Let me not go through this long, drawn-out animation period going into these fights and then waiting for my... In uh, ATB systems, anyways, wait for my fight bar to get up to take my turn and then take my turn just to kill a level 2 enemy. So something that I have noticed more modern RPGs kind of going sort of in that direction is um, because turn-based, or not turn-based, uh, random encounters have kind of become an antiquated kind of mechanic. Um, it's more so, like, you'll find games with random encounters either to make an emphasis that they have random encounters, or sometimes they'll be limited to specific areas. I want to say Pokemon... No, Pokemon Legends didn't have... Anyway, getting off track. Um, what I've noticed is that overworld encounters are becoming a much more common thing, right? You can usually see your opponent before you engage, and if it still has a traditional turn-based structure, it will do that whole pull you to the other arena, start your battle. But, um, I've noticed in a lot of more modern RPGs that they'll have weaker enemies generally avoid you, which, it does help a lot. I noticed that with, uh, Shin Megami Tensei V did it. And I want to say Dragon Quest Eleven did it as well. So it's kind of getting there. But the reason why I don't think they've implemented the auto-kill-win-battle thing is... So something with Shin Megami Tensei is you sometimes might want to recruit these demons. Um, so therefore, right. you're kind of required to enter the battle. Something like Dragon Quest, where it's not as specific, I would only guess it would be for a loot grinding purpose um another thing too with uh not specifically dragon quest a lot of games do it but the example that i'll use is uh sometimes they'll hide rare encounters amid encounters so like in the dragon quest series you can run into metallic slimes which are usually highly evasive and uh usually run away but if you do kill them you get a boatload of experience so in order to still potentially get that reward, it does require you to enter the battle. Do I think it's great? No. But I can at least see the justification for not just wham, done. That's that's fair. Like, I, I would argue that if you aren't going to have the wham, done method that Earthbound implements, then make it so you can see the enemies on the overworld and such. And have them run away from you. Uh, another game that does that is actually uh, Persona 5. Which, again, you can recruit the enemies as it's a spin-off of the Shin Megami Tensei series, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I could see how you kind of need those battles to happen so you can be able to recruit those uh, the demons and all that kind of stuff. Um, as for like special enemies and whatnot, make them maybe a little harder or maybe 
rare to spawn in the overworld. But still have them as an overworld spawn. Yeah. Just okay. make it, okay, it's, it's, this enemy is 1 out of 20. Okay, you still have the grinding aspect that you'd have to do if you wanted to spawn in that area because you might have a 1 in 20 chance of actually seeing a that rare enemy replace uh, the rabbi 2, say. So would you say the the chase for the thing, like let's say it pops up on the overworld, but you like you see it and you have to get it now or it's gone, is that more exciting than the entering the encounter and then just, oh my god, it's my shiny ch- chicken? I, I, w- I would say if you see it on the overworld, it means a bit more because then you have that kind of sense of discovery. Like, you don't just go into an animation do the spiral around and hope it's what you're looking for it's oh my god there it is let's get it right you're you're actually moving around and whatnot and then it becomes part of the the thing that you're trying to do where you're actually trying to run and grab it to get into that fight well and i can also say it would add some excitement where like if you have no idea that you could stumble across it in whatever particular dungeon or area you're in, and then you're like, oh my god, that thing is there. Like, it's kind of like the same sense that you get when you're playing Dark Souls and you see one of the lizards. Yeah. 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 O- almost exactly. Like, one, one of the crystal lizards. And it's like, oh, I gotta chase that. And it usually leads to your death. So, <laughs> to kind of diverge a bit from the whole... T- uh, no, I won't stray that far just yet. Um, what I was going to bring up is, uh, when it comes to general engagement, how I was saying how the boring monotony of how easy battles can become, would you be more inclined to enjoy a turn-based structured game if all of the battles were relatively punishing? And yes, this is where I talk about Shin Megami Tensei more. (laughs) So, it, it depends, like, the... As we're discussing, it could be too easy, but then it could also be too hard. There's a weird balance, and that certainly depends on each person. Like, with myself, I've played a lot of JRPGs, but in comparison to yourself, you know a lot about JRPGs compared to my knowledge, right? So you would have a much easier time with something I would find challenging. I guess when you put it that way, there are a good amount of skills that are pretty universal when it comes to just enjoying the medium as a whole. Yeah. Like, I honestly, like, at, at this point, I, I certainly do like the, the action-oriented RPGs. And one point that you brought up is, like, seeing those big, beefy numbers and whatnot. But then I look at a game like uh, Diablo when you have uh, damage numbers on, or... As a great example, Diablo 3. No, it's not the most favorite one or anything, but doing the the seasons, the rifts, which are like an endless dungeon grind, you start seeing your numbers go up into the trillions after being billions, and that's showing your progress and all that kind of stuff. So like those beefy numbers, I still can get that gratification out of different uh, genres. Which is fair, which is very fair. I mean, numbers I will always find exciting when they get bigger. Um, On the topic of numbers, though, what do you find more engaging? Big, bombastic numbers or small numbers that you can really feel increase? So, for example, uh, Mario, or, yeah, Paper Mario's combat system. How, like, a really hard hit in that game is, like, seven. So... I, I I'm I'm going to point that on to. Actually, no, I, I was going to point that on to depends on the the game itself and the aesthetics, but then thinking like, yeah, the Paper Mario games it always used the smaller numbers, which is supposed to be more, um, easier to bring in, uh, especially for for the younger audience, right? Um, but then looking at a game like Amori, like it it has higher numbers than seven ever would be like we're, we're talking a couple hundred but it doesn't go over a thousand at least not that i've seen so i think again there's a bit of a medium as for what i prefer i don't think it really matters i don't want to see like extraordinary numbers like if if i'm doing a turn-based game and i'm hitting for one billion versus one million 
I don't find that too exciting. I, I think it, I, th I think there has to be a bit of a sweet spot in there. Because I can say, at least for myself, um, I kind of like the, it feels like there's a lot more weight when you see a smaller number become slightly larger than, let's say, um, I don't know if it was Final Fantasy X or X-2 that let you break the damage limits. But when you start going from like 8,000 to 14,000, that 6,000 in between doesn't feel as important. But if you do 20 damage and then you manage to hit a crit for like 27 damage, you're like, wow, that was a big hit. Oh, 100%. And I think that's because you know that those enemy HP uh, values or health uh, isn't going to exceed like your say say a boss might have 40 40 hit points and you crit for 27 instead of your 18 or whatever I mean that's a significant increase when it's compared to what you're actually fighting there, there's a lot less range when you start getting into the couple thousands or ten thousands or five six digits whatever you don't see that increase nearly as much because there's a lot to look at but i and feel like it's less payoff towards your build with the bigger numbers when it's like uh, so a good example i'll give is something like final fantasy 6 versus final fantasy 9 uh, and its equipment system more so where Final Fantasy VI is my absolute favorite in the series. However, it just kind of gives you equipment so steadily that you don't really feel like, you know, that silver sword to that golden sword feels like it's doing that much more of a difference. Especially, too, because most of your damage is really coming from magic. But you only feel like you're just kind of progressing naturally through the game. You don't feel those big steps. As where with Final Fantasy IX, they kind of kind of drip feed you new equipment and then they also kind of make you hold on to it more so when you do actually get something that's genuinely good comparatively like you can feel it oh 100 and i think a great uh great kind of comparison is in seconds uh when we're talking about like the size of numbers right so if take a million seconds is 12 days but a billion seconds which is only three more zeros added on so that's nine instead of six. Again, that's a smaller number versus making a bigger number. A billion seconds is 31 years. Oh, I feel so old. That is a huge difference. I'm more Tw than that many seconds. Three zeros added 31 years minus 12 days. But how impactful were those years in the end of it all? <laughs> But I see what's your point here. Um, so, really to drive it home, that um, it's not so much what it shows you, but the fact that you actually get that response that you're being shown something. Yeah, you, you need to feel like you're actually making it a, a difference in your progression instead of just like this little bit of an increase, which at a smaller number is much easier to portray, where if you're dealing with bigger numbers, it is you need a huge increase to actually show a difference. Now here's a here's a touchy kind of aspect of the whole turn-based RPGs and just kind of where the reputation seems to sour. When you think of playing a turn-based RPG, does the thought of the grind kind of give you a slap in the face and make you say, well, that's why I don't really want to? I just get tired. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to be honest, like... The, the grind is a little bit of a, uh, a rough patch for me, um, especially as someone who tends to, when, when I tend to get into the zone, such as a grind, I've been known to fall asleep with the controller in my hand. Wouldn't be the first time. Yep, Won't be the last. Fair. That's very fair. Now, that said, I feel like this comes from some kind of like a World of Warcraft or Diablo area of grinding. Uh... Final Fantasy 6, or 3 slash 6, or whatever we want to call it. Uh, I did that with that as well. Oh, no. <laughs> so, it's... Uh, and and I really enjoyed that game, but I, it's just... There wasn't enough going on visually to keep my attention. 
I mean, for as much as I love it, even I can't defend that it's going to be the most visually stimulating thing in the world. If anything, it's music. It's what's going to be pulling you along. But um, it's music is really good, though. Oh, my childhood. <laughs> it's like the time I went to see Toy Story 2 and my aunt who took me fell asleep. <laughs> um, so the, there's something else uh, with turn-based that we haven't really talked about. And I don't know which side of this fence I'm on. But uh, the different types of turn-based. Like, we have the, the games where you can select everyone's move right off the bat. Or you select their move when it's their turn, or we have the ATB system. Well, I was actually going to bring up the ATB system, but more in a broad sense. Because ATB is just kind of like artificial action, right? Yeah. And especially, too, it really cheapens the experience where if you really want to, you can just turn it off. Um, But I do like ATB as kind of just a more but works a little bit better than atb i find and i can't think of any immediate examples for this but games that will give you a active turn order as opposed to an atb gauge okay so like on the sidebar you'll have like everyone's icon and let's say someone's about to go third but if you hit that person you might knock them down the bar like, you can actually see how things are going to progress as opposed to just things are based on a generic speed stat. So, I haven't played these games, but don't uh, the Fire Emblem games do that? No, Fire Emblem is just take turn and exhaust. Okay. Um, the, there's a game, and I have it in my head, but I can't think of the name for the life of me now. Is it but possibly... It, it, it does that. One of the... Not this Gaia. Uh, Grandia. They use a system like that. Possible, but I don't know how much of Grandia I've actually seen. It's like turn-based RPG, but everyone runs around like they're manic. Um, okay, so not a great... Uh, Final Fantasy X used that system. The turn order? Yes. Oh. Yeah, they actually didn't have the active t- uh, ATB at all. It was just the ladder of the turn order well i will have to check that out i actually have it on my desk so it's uh uh, it's it's been on the backlog so i will have to check that out looking me singing praise for a game i have zero interest in Um, it's it's one of those that i've played most of the final fantasy games so i feel like i i i can't ignore one i at least have to try it I've learned enough about it to know I want nothing to do with it. Uh-oh, I just said that. <laughs> um, it's, right. it's, pretty, it's, it's a pretty divisive game, though, isn't it? I'm an old man, and I like my Final Fantasies to be about crystals. <laughs> um, That's fair. But... Well, we'll talk about my feelings on the Final Fantasy franchise another time. Um... Here's something to kind of consider when it comes to turn-based, going back to what you said about um, Fire Emblem. And now I know this is kind of neither of our cup of tea, but strategy games, do they even cross your mind when it comes to the spectrum of turn-based RPGs? Because for the most part, they are, even though they don't really feel like it. Yeah, I'd I'd consider them still a turn-based style, I suppose. Um, I mean, we, we, we have different, uh, strategy games, if you will. Like, obviously we aren't talking about real time, like a Starcraft or something, but, uh, thinking I have a physical copy of Into the Breach on pre-order. And that is a, from my knowledge, a strategy turn-based RPG. I mean, if you really want to get down to the brass tacks, chess is a turn-based RPG. The characters are terrible though. Which one? Chess. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose you're not. You're not wrong. They I they don't. each rolled a different movement dice. I don't like chess, <laughs> uh, but it is still essentially. And this is kind of a weird direction to take it, but I think one of the things that I really like about turn-based RPGs is uh, I like trading card games, right? And just tabletop games in general, not Dungeons and Dragons. We haven't got there. I'm scared. Um, But uh, 
I like strategizing and then seeing the what my plans come forth actually pay off. So an example that I can kind of like say with when it comes to trading card games versus turn-based RPGs is uh, something that you really understand the effect of using status effects and things that actually change the battle drastically. And when you plan ahead to actually see these payoffs come to fruition, I don't know, it's really satisfying. <laughs> Which is fair enough. Like you, you, you have the plan in your head, and then it's about acting it out. And you know what? If it was a little more uh, visually stimulating, maybe I would get much more of a kick out of it. Because I have just I, just through this destruction, I, I or this uh, discussion, I've almost started thinking that it might just be the the overall presentation of them. I almost think you've been more more positive on this matter than I have, and I'm on the pro side. Um, <laughs> But, uh, oh, what was it? yeah, so because I kind of have this feeling though that you enjoy brute forcing your way through a lot of turn based RPGs. I would say you're not wrong. That's why um, I'm saying I'm right. <laughs> yes, the, the, the roundabout way, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would almost say that there, there's more often than not, but I think that brute force only starts to come in when I'm just kind of over it, but I want to see it through, if that makes sense. I feel like that comes to a very common situation that a lot of, it's like even I can say I do it as well, um, the only parts of a turn-based RPG you tend to enjoy are the heavy story-focused battles and just boss battles for the most part. Yeah. Like, Especially uh, uh, optional bosses. Ha ha ha. We use the name. Um Yeah, I, I think that's that's very fair. Like the the bosses are usually pretty spectacular uh in, in design and visual flair and they usually have much more meaning than a random rabbit on the ground. Unless it's the black rabbit. But that's not even a turn-based RPG. No. All right, the the dung beetle in the what sewer. Has, <laughs> what has the dung beetle? Oh, I'm sure there's a game that has a dung beetle. This feels like a mother thing. It's mother three specifically. Oh yeah. There was there... a lot of dung beetles in Mother Three. Now that I think about it. There was actually. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I I wasn't even thinking about Mother Three, but. Or maybe it's just I, I like it so much it's ingrained in my head. It's very fair. Um, random tangent, but um, what do you feel about random encounters when it's not a turn-based RPG? If you've huh. even really encountered such. Well, I'm, I'm thinking now, like, what games have I played where I've had random encounters... That don't result in a turn-based battle. See, it's almost kind of unique when you do it that way. So, I would say unique, but the only thing I'm really coming up in my mind right away, just from looking around my room, is Zelda 2. That's almost in the weird middle ground of it too, because it only does that on yeah, the overworld. Only in the overworld, and then they appear briefly, and then have a seizure on the screen and then you either get hit by it or don't is, is the encounter random or is it just the coding I, th I believe it's certain icons can give you a set of different areas that you can end up in true this is a game i've not touched on in a good while because uh, i know for myself there's some games that are i don't know if the turn bait or the random encounter aspect makes them better but it's also one of those things where it kind of only makes sense. Uh, so, for example, I think I've told you about how the Tales of series is more so a traditional RPG until you get into a battle. And then it's almost kind of like a side-scrolling beat-em-up. Yep. And it's, uh, it, it's a very interesting take, especially, too, because you more or less have control of one main player character. And then you also have just standard menu controls for the rest of your party so it's this really weird hybrid of action and regular turn-based um 
And then another good example of things that use random encounters but aren't actually turn-based battles is the uh, Mega Man Battle Network franchise, where it becomes... I don't even know how to explain that game when it comes to <laughs> genres. Uh, it is an action, tile-based, deck-building hybrid. So it's it's merging genres and hoping it sticks. Which, I mean, it clearly did. They got, what, six? And not a even from an coming? indie dev. Um, no. Yeah. Uh, but I also find that even though random encounters make sense from just a presenting it structure and like how you're getting into battles, they kind of wear on you. Yeah. It's very pace-breaking, and pace-breaking hurts. And I think a lot of that has to do with the it being, well, oftentimes the same enemies. Like, you, you're seeing a lot of repetitiveness. Where, I mean, that, that could be argued in a lot of games but i think it's also done in presentation so when you were talking about the the tail series was it yep you said that you get the random encounters and then it ends up in like a beat-em-up style yep are you transported to like an arena kind of yeah okay so you you aren't fighting on the overworld i'm assuming because everything is a different uh graphic style right Pretty much, yeah. So you would be looking at, like, let's say you were just in a dungeon or a pathway or something. You've got more or less fixed camera angles, and then when it goes into a battle, it's a more 3D kind of arena style of camera work. Okay, so I wonder if that whole transition of graphic style and just overall gameplay portrayal is what gets repetitiveness. Is because, or feel, sorry, not repetitiveness, but uh, the pace breaking in them would, is because they are changing up the style instead of keeping that flow that would be a big part of it yeah um because like in in action games um i can't think of a good one off the top of my head but you're you're constantly like you don't shift the focus when it comes to fights or battles or anything you're just changing your strategy for it which can be similar to an rpg if you're fighting on the overworld this is true uh, it, it's kind of a, it goes back to immersion, right? As where yeah. it's like you were saying earlier, when you get ripped away and brought to this whole new location, it doesn't feel as cohesive as it could, to which now makes me want to talk about Chrono Trigger. It's funny because I had that on my notes. <laughs> I knew it was coming at some point because it's a very important game, but not only that, it is an example of. You fight where the fight happens. Yes. And that is it. So they took away random encounters, which is a big, you know, I think everyone can give it praise. But even outside of that, the fact that, yeah, it's not even, there's no transition for the battle. And this goes for boss battles, regular encounters, what have you. It is, we will pull out our weapons and we will fight here. And it uses the environment that you are in. And it incorporates in the battle because, like, trees and rocks and whatnot can block attacks and stuff um so basically from that tangent is where i present to you does that make it more digestible so you're asking if chrono triggers method of going about the encounters and the turn-based combat digestible yes yes because i i absolutely adore chrono trigger and you didn't even play it with nostalgia no, I, I didn't play it till I think it was three years ago now, 2019, something like that. Yes. So, let's say even 2018, That that's no nostalgia driven, and it was just a fantastic time, and I've played it a couple times since, and I enjoyed it, regardless of it being turn-based or not. So, I think, really, when it comes down to brass tacks, um, I don't think it's so much that you don't like turn-based rpgs it's more so that you don't like being bored yes <laughs> see the that, that, that that's one of my things that's one of my uh negatives with turn-based uh games is i i find them often boring because of the wasted what what i consider wasted time between and uh transitions between overworld to uh, battle scene to victory dances 
too, which, I mean, I'm bringing up Final Fantasy a lot, but a lot of games do the victory dance and what you get afterwards. Like, just give me a little pop-up on the side on what I got from from that fight as I'm running onwards. You like, know don't waste my did, time with a separate screen. You know what game did fanfare and um, results, like, incredibly, which is really weird to give this franchise praise? Which one? Pokemon Legends Arceus. This is true. The, their follow-up to battles was probably one of the best things about that game because it was like you could start walking away before the battle was even technically done and there was no stopping to actually give you your results. Handled no, beautifully. You, you got the results as you were running away and it was fantastic. Again, no random in- encounters because you saw them and you could run up to them. Which... Okay, so we were talking about seeing a rare out in the world and grabbing it. If you saw a shiny in Pokemon Legends, you got excited, and those are rare. I never saw a shiny. (laughs) (laughs) But you, you see the shiny, you got excited. If I did, I can completely agree. And now I even have the argument I can make on the uh, random encounter side because I have actively done shiny hunting before. It sucks. It sucks so much. But when you finally killed an entire generation of Absol leaving about 350 corpses in your wake and then you finally get one and it's red now. I'm really not selling why anyone should ever no. find you, especially because that's a really low amount of encounters. But it is, you jump up when you finally see a shiny. Like, it is incredibly exciting. Oh, and rightfully so. But you're going to jump up and be really excited and have that kind of heart racing effect when you see one out in the overworld and you're like, I got to get there quick. So I think what it really just comes down to it, it's... Random encounters are probably the biggest hindrance to turn-based battles. I, I would agree with that. Uh, in, in some respect, I would almost say that they deter from proper exploration. And the game that I'm going to bring up uh, is one of your favorites. I know that. Final Fantasy VI, or 3 slash 6 again. Um, the second half of that game, while it was good and finding everyone was neat and all that kind of stuff... I got really dragged down and really annoyed by the random encounters, especially on the overworld, just trying to get to destinations. You know, I think you bring up a really good point with that. Um, It's a really weird way to look at it, but linearity almost helps the structure of a turn-based game because, again, it's a role-playing game. You're stepping into a role. And exploration doesn't really feel like it's a scripted journey. It feels like your journey. And it really sucks that when you're taking your own journey, there's someone who's going every five minutes to say, hey, look at this. Oh, 100%. So, or you get that vroom, vroom, and then you're in a fight. Yeah. Um, so something like Chrono Trigger, which I will highly praise it for its pacing, um, it never really kind of takes you away from the journey because it's already taking you on a journey yeah and again i think the whole transition into its own separate battle arena uh really deters from that immersion where chrono trigger just lets you fight where you stand it's like a nice walk through the woods you're never taken off the walk through the woods no you're you're not you're you're attacked where you stand. You aren't taken out of the fight, uh, out of the area, and then you continue onwards after the fight's done. Yeah, as where it, d- it doesn't take too much time to finish the fight once you are done as well. Does a quick well, little spleel that is a thing skippable. Like you can fast text through it or whatever you want to call it. Be through the through the text and skip it all. For the most part. Um, And I mean, it doesn't really feel that long to even start it anyway. uh, Especially when you can just crank up the speed of the ATB. Um, As where something with Final Fantasy VI, the first half is an incredibly guided experience. There's really not much in the way of optional uh, anything. And then literally the entire second half of Final Fantasy VI is optional except for beating it. So... 
it is really fun to do that exploring, but it does stop, or it does take you out of it when I want to go look at this, but this person won't let me leave this conversation. Not only that, that, it, that it, conversation it, being the battles. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, like, <laughs> yeah. you, you want to head over here, you can only land so far away, and then you start running, and you get, like, five battles along the way, and it's like, come on. I just it's, want to get there. And then by the time I'm there, it's like, why did I come here again? It's hard to feel like you're somewhere else when the exact same thing is happening as well. Yeah, and usually in in, in that game's example is if you're going to the same area multiple times for whatever reason, chances are you're going to start seeing the same group of enemies multiple times when you're just trying to get from point A to point B. And it's the constant interruption that Not bothers me a lot. Not to mention the same song is playing, and then the same song for the overworld area is playing, and you have to deal with the jarring... Tra you know what I think one of the most brilliant things to kind of take away the sting of random encounters is? And I like how it's done sparingly in games, but for example, uh, at the start of Final Fantasy VII, the random encounters never take away from the theme the opening thing of, of bombing mission it still plays even when you get into a battle yes you, you aren't getting that change of of musical uh that was a bad way to do a sentence whiplash <laughs> yeah yeah um, you, you you just have that one constant theme going on and it helps keep you into the moment right it still feels like you know, this is a very pressing scenario, but it's also not something you would want all the time. <laughs> no, because then it would just get, yeah, I, I think it comes down to a whole balance and direction thing. Like, in a sense of urgency, yeah, keep the same music going. In a sense of exploration, uh, maybe ease back on the amount of encounters. I think that's a one thing that more games need to start learning is you don't always have to have a very high encounter rate. No, and considering I just finished Earthbound Beginnings, Jesus Christ, the, uh, the encounter rate is way too much. Now, this is a game that, uh, oddly enough, the slowest thing about it isn't the turn-based battles. It's actually just the incredible amount of text they had to fit onto a Game Boy, but... Um, the Golden Sun franchise did something very interesting when it came to uh, how they handled their battles. Is If there was ever a room in a dungeon or what have you that required a heavy amount of puzzling, they would just turn off the random encounters. Huh. And it makes it a lot less frustrating than, like, you have to push this block three squares, but then you got to fight something. And then throughout that fight, you kind of forget what you were doing. And then you go back, oh, wait, I'm solving a puzzle. And then you go back and you're fighting again. Yes, and that's the constant interruption when you're trying to get something done. Which, kind of like the exploration thing. You're trying to get somewhere and you keep getting interrupted. It's, it's when, when you're focused on getting something done and you're constantly being interrupted that it really drags the game down. For me, anyways. So, but no, no, knowing that about Golden Sun actually gives me a bit of incentive to actually check it out. I mean, I I would recommend it. I think they are really good games, but um, oh, they feel like a slog at times. I mean, it's a turn-based RPG. That's what we've been talking about. How did this happen? <laughs> feels oh, like no, a total have, 180. Have Have I soured your taste on turn-based games now? <laughs> I mean, I can see how it would seem that way, but honestly, looking at my shelf and my history, I think it really just comes down to it's uh, more so someone who genuinely does love the medium. I feel like I can be a little bit more critical of it. Oh, 100%. And just because you're critical doesn't mean that you hate it or anything, right? Like I said, some of my favorite games are turn-based RPGs, and... I'm happy being critical about it because I know what I can enjoy. And I exactly. know that not everyone's going to share the same opinion, just like how you love them, but you can still be critical of it. And then it's, it's, you're allowed to be critical of something you love because you know what you enjoy and how to make it better. Well, and an, an interesting flip side to that too. I enjoy the medium more than you do, but turn-based RPGs sit higher on your greatest of all times list than mine. 
Yes. It's really weird how that works. I think a lot of that is just because the wackiness of the games. Like I said, you got Mother 3, which you've played, but I I took a, a lot more from it than you did, I think. Um, I, I Amori, did take quite a bit from it, but I definitely have other things in my history that definitely sit much higher in regard for myself. Oh, for sure. Um, Amori, same thing. And you know what? This is a game that... Uh, you actually no, you do see the enemies on the screen. Never mind. I was gonna say they're random encounters, but no, no, it's not. It's it's you see the enemies. Very very similar to Mother Three. Um, and Persona Five, you see the enemies on the screen. Although sometimes they just kind of puff into a cloud of smoke and appear. That's where I'm trying to think that like I could just start firing off all sorts of things that I've had lots of experience with. Well, let's see. We've got, uh, yeah, Final Fantasy of all sorts, which is pretty generic, but I've also dipped my toe into the Dragon Quest games. There's the Shin Megami Tensei games, be it mainline or spin-off, but not Persona, somehow. Uh, and then there's just the very random ragtags like Breath of Fire, and they just I could go on and on about the many that I've actually tried and enjoyed. Um... But when it comes to my absolute favorite thing of the world, it's it's an action RPG. Yeah. I like to hit buttons and things see things go whack. And I think the reason that I have turn-based games on my high list is just because the story and portrayal that they did. And the fact that I can sit here and say I don't like turn-based combat while having some of my favorite games as turn-based combat games says a lot about the quality of those games. So basically, I think when we come to the end of this, you just don't like bad games. I mean, this is true, but there, there's a lot of games that you that are considered great that I just don't want to do because the sound of it makes me tired. I don't see you making it to the end of Breath of Fire 1 or 2. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think I would. No, and they are very vanilla turn-based RPGs. Now, they do have a little bit more animation when it comes to their battles, so they are a little bit more entertaining, but that's only going to take you so far. Yes, and why would I do that when I can play Chrono Trigger again? Damn, that's a good point. (laughs) Everyone should just play Chrono Trigger. The world would be a much better place. Yeah, go go play Chrono Trigger, everybody. Go, go, go. if, If you haven't, just... Do it. I don't care how, just do it. Just as they say in quotations, play it any way you can. Like so, on the Ouya. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said if they can. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and it's holding up a stack of paper somewhere near in your house, I'm sure. Oh probably. Yeah, yeah. Um well what do you think? Do you think we've uh I, I think we touched on the topics at hand. The I know my list is expended. You got anything yeah. else? Uh, mostly that Mystic Quest is quite boring at the end of the day. It really is. So we'll we'll finish on my story of Mystic Quest. I uh, I was emulating on my SNES Classic. And I was just using save states to save instead of going hunting down, what was it, beds that you saved at? I don't even remember save points in that game, to be honest. I I think it was when you went to rest in a bed or an inn or whatever you saved. That would make sense. It it would. But since I was using save states, I'm like, eh, whatever. And then I ended up dying which is pretty impressive for mystic quest but it's because i was so i was half falling asleep and just not paying attention at all at uh i forget where i was but i remember i was talking to you at the time and i was really close to the end and my last save was right before the first dungeon and i didn't use my save state or i reused my save state after or i saved over it Oh, and I'm no. just like, well, I'm not doing this again. I, that, I, I, I just, there's not many games I've just put down out of frustration, but that was certainly one of them. No, that's 
That's perfect. And the best part is because I want to say that Mystic Quest could be done in about like five to eight hours, but that's there are much better things you could do with that time involving nothing. Five or eight hours if you don't fall asleep during it. That would be a big part of it, yeah. <laughs> um, on the more positive, I don't know if it's a positive flip side or not, but I guess I might as well <laughs> on the subject of it just mention how I even got introduced to Mystic Quest. I remember a friend of mine had uh, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, one of just, just, just a great game. So great that he didn't want to lend it to me, but he decided, you know what, you can have this instead. It gave me Mystic Quest. And that I friend mean, is now in jail. I don't know what <laughs> he's doing, but you, he's not you doing don't anything do that for me. to someone. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it did, it, it kind of opened my eyes to the world of turn based RPGs. And a weird kind of issue I remember having because even I had my gripes with it at first is uh, I thought it was a lot more comfortable because you can change from generic like how much HP you have in a number format or you can just kind of have like a health bar like he has in Mega Man and yeah. that made a lot more sense to me as a kid so I was genuinely infuriated when it switched to numbers for some reason. Well when, when you're looking at numbers you're essentially reading them and when you're a kid, you don't want to play a game and read. You just want to play and know. Numbers are what they have at school. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I would at least say, for the most part, that's, uh, that's a good rant on turn-based battles. And uh, one final quick note of Mystic Quest. The music is pretty fire. Okay, yeah, no, everyone can agree that it's got a pretty great soundtrack for being a pretty trash game. Best best part of that game, and really the only redeeming quality, aside from making you an RPG fan. The battle theme is epic. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I, th- I think I'm good. You? I think I'm pretty, uh, pretty good on this topic. We can definitely revisit another day, but for the time being, this is a rough, shaky pilot that I can be proud yeah, of. Yeah, so... Uh, with that said, everyone, thanks for listening if you made it this far, and uh, hope to see you on the next episode. 